You're listening to Nightlight. Hi, and a very warm greetings to you all once again. Welcome to this latest edition of Nightlight. And once again with us on the program is Mark McMillian. Always nice to have you with us, Mark. It's great to be here. Great to be here. Thanks so much for having me here. And you're speaking to us again from Austin or San Antonio. Whereabouts? Uh, between the two, kind of south-central Texas, between those two cities. We have a guest tonight on Nightlight. And for those of you who don't know Mark McMillian, he's a Bible prophecy teacher specializing in the book of Daniel. And I'll be asking Mark about his latest video production on Daniel chapter 11, as well as getting his take on the latest news coming out from the USA. But first, here's Sam Halbert with his take, Beats Anything That I Ever Saw. 2020's looking rough no matter how you twist it Bad news hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit Seems like every day's a fulfillment of Murphy's Law Time doesn't fly when you're not having fun Just goes on and on like an offbeat drum And to tell you the truth it beats anything that I ever saw I keep looking for a silver lining In the cloud outside my door but the light at the end of the tunnel's just an oncoming train I think I understand the meaning of when it rains it pours I keep hoping every morning that today our luck will change 2020's looking rough no matter how you twist it Bad news hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit Seems like every day's a fulfillment of Murphy's Law Time doesn't fly when you're not having fun Just goes on and on like an offbeat drum And to tell you the truth, it beats anything that I ever saw Well, I see the news on TV Just wanna leave the room They keep changing their minds And pointing every which way And if you wanna see live music You gotta watch them sing on Zoom for once in my life, I just don't know what to say. 2020's looking rough no matter how you twist it. Bad news hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit. Seems like every day's a fulfillment of Murphy's Law. Time doesn't fly when you're not having fun. Just goes on and on like an offbeat drum. And to tell you the truth, it beats anything that I ever saw. Staying home and cooking, busting at the seams, binging on Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime. Don't need to leave the house to shop for new blue jeans. Just Google what you want and buy it all online. 2020's looking rough no matter how you twist it. Bad news hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit. Seems like every day's a fulfillment of Murphy's Law 
time doesn't fly when you're not having fun Just goes on and on like an offbeat drum And to tell you the truth, it beats anything that I ever saw And to tell you the truth, it beats anything that I ever saw Oh, to tell you the truth, it beats anything that I ever saw And Sam very graciously allowed me to use that song for this show on condition that I let you know that that was just a rough, so it's a work in progress. And as soon as the song is finalized, well, I'll very much look forward to playing it for you again. You're right. It's Nightlight. And our guest on this special current events and end time edition of Nightlight is Mark McMillian speaking to us from Texas. Mark, I think it was during May that you were last with us on the show. And since then, the COVID-19 situation in the U.S. doesn't seem to have improved much, has it? Yeah, it was about two and a half months ago we talked. I mean, since that time, places like New York, it's gotten a lot better. But places like where I live and like... uh, Florida, Texas, Arizona's a little bit better now. California is still very serious. So it's still it's still raging here and uh, affecting the country quite a lot. Mark, uh, for all of our listeners who live outside of the US, which is most of them, could you briefly explain how government works? Because it seems that each state is different, especially what we've seen with this pandemic. Some governors have ordered strict draconian lockdowns and penalties and some states like south dakota have virtually no measures at all and it seems that the governors have almost dictatorial powers where they can make rules take away people's freedoms at a whim and it doesn't seem that the president can do much to overrule them or keep them in check how does it work yeah it's a good question you know it's like it's a funny country it's it was started up in the late 1700s Originally, there was 13 states. Now it's 50 states. When I was a kid, it was 48 states. And then when I was about 12 years old, it went to 50 states. And they're really different. It's kind of, it's like, you know, like in Europe, you've got uh, Finland and you've got Portugal, and they're not the same at all. And it's similar here, you know, Vermont and Arizona. They're not only different geographically, but they're, they're historical makeup. There's a funny thing, Simon, about how this works because there's a very, almost one of the most famous rock and roll or rock songs ever written has a reference to exactly what you're asking about there. There's this song by Bob Dylan, uh, The Times They Are A-Changing. Yes. Which is, you know, so famous. So in this song, Bob Dylan, in the song he says, don't stand in the doorway, don't block up the hall. Yes. Well, that was a direct reference to the governor of Alabama at that time, George Wallace, who physically stood in the door of the University of Alabama to block African-American students from attending the University of Alabama because at that time there was like segregation all across the South and they didn't want to change it. And so John Kennedy, who was president in 1963, he sent the United States Army. And so there was a confrontation between the governor of Alabama and the United States Army and George Wallace had to get out of the way and let these Amer- African American students in. So it doesn't usually get that stark, almost never that stark. I don't know what to compare it to. I mean, I know like Britain, Britain, you have Northern Ireland, you have Wales, you have uh, Scotland, so you have, you know, the United Kingdom. Yes. It's not quite the same thing, but there's just this uh, playoff between the 
federal government and the states, and there's been this uh, back and forth for over 200 years, are we a union or are we a confederacy? And this is what was going on with the Civil War because the states in the South, they wanted to kind of be more like the way Switzerland is. Switzerland is a confederation. It doesn't have a prime minister. It's a confederation of different provinces or, or cantons. So, yeah, I know what you're talking about, and it's like it's it's quite a big deal because um, President Trump, you know, has sent police forces of a kind into Oregon uh, to try to quell riots there. And there's other places like in Chicago. Chicago has so many shootings; it's just incredible. There's there's the state governments and the governors who are can be pretty powerful in their own states, but still, basically, the federal government is the superior power in America. What about the mayors? The mayors also seem to be really powerful. There you go. There you go. Uh, in in Georgia, so the so the governor of Georgia, the governor of Georgia, he said there's not going to be any ordering of masks, but then the mayor of Atlanta, he tried to order everybody. To wear masks so there's just a lot of things going on like that it's like in texas it's not so much and government of texas is republican and they're kind of you know they're they're following trump but they're not just utterly following trump so far in texas there hasn't been too much of you know huge chaos like that but it's true the austin is a very kind of like almost like the west coast austin's a very liberal place a very leftist place all those divisions are increasing now in America and, and you know people taking sides and it's it's quite a time here bringing you peace in the midst of the storm you're listening to nightlight yes peace in the midst of the storm mark i just got back from a few days of retreat in the beautiful sessi islands which is not so far away from where we live on the shores of Lake Victoria. And it was just so refreshing to get away to somewhere remote where the old normal is still normal. And it was great to just completely disconnect from the internet for a few days and just peacefully spend some uninterrupted time with the Lord. And I think that is so important for us on a daily basis to limit the amount of time we spend online and on Facebook and on YouTube and watching the news. Otherwise, it can really affect your spirit and, and bring you down. What do you think? It's very true what you say, like about this stuff will will stick to you. It'll, it'll just stick to you if you don't watch out. And it'll, it'll take over your mind and your thoughts and your emotions. It's true. And it shouldn't, for Christians, it shouldn't be like that. You remember there was actually a a thing, a meditation moments that, that Virginia Brandt Berg did years and years ago. And she talked about that because she kept up with the current events. And this was back in the 60s and so many crazy things going on. And she said exactly the same thing. It just got to be where she had just felt like it was it was stealing her peace. It's like what you were saying originally about how people listen to the show because our movement, our group from, from the beginning was sort of uh, paying attention to current events. We were very founded on Bible prophecy and the picture of the end time. And yes. some of the things that we did was because we believed that we were going to go through the Great Tribulation. Right. So we needed to be ready. We needed to be, you know, they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament and turn many to righteousness. I mean, it's from Daniel 12. And of course, a big part of the message of the young people of the Jesus Revolution at that time in the late 60s was a warning to America of God's impending judgments. And... Mark, let's just take a break to listen to one of the songs from that era. 
Wow, uh, that song was written over 50 years ago, and that particular version recorded more recently by David Blossom. And it was just one of a number of songs written during that era of the late 60s, during which there were violent protests against the Vietnam War, there was a lot of civil unrest, there was the Black Panther movement, the hippies, youth revolution was in full swing, there were street protests, violence, police crackdowns, not unlike really what's happening in the streets of the American cities right now. And the message of the Jesus Revolution and numerous Christian leaders since then has been the judgments of God against America for its sins, as the lyrics of that song typified. And I know that ever since then, uh, we, Mark, who were part of that Jesus Revolution, have been watching and waiting and expecting God's judgments on America to fall. And my goodness, if her sins were bad back then, 50 years ago, how much worse are they now? Do you think that this is now it for America, that what's happening now is the beginning of the end of America? Yeah, it might be. It, it might be. I mean, there were, uh, you may not have seen it, but there was a thing. I, I don't – there's so many things that sort of pop up on Facebook or f- pop up on YouTube, and I most of the time don't watch them because some of them they've got – some kind of strangeness to them or somebody is going to be telling, you know, the day and the hour and, you know, in two months, so-and-so is going to happen. Right. Somehow or another, just about a, two, three weeks ago or so, I somehow watched one of these things and it was on Facebook and it was an American pastor in North Carolina or someplace like that. And so it was only, it wasn't very long. So I said, okay, I'm going to watch this. And I was kind of surprised because he was talking about four dreams he had. He had these four dreams starting back, I think, even earlier this year before the whole virus thing started happening. And in these dreams, basically, the first dream was telling him that, you know, this whole virus thing is really going to take off. And then one of the things that he talked about was how things are going away in America from using coins really and the, the this is because i saw this about three or four weeks ago or so and at that time that wasn't ha- wasn't happening at all but within about a week all over the states uh there you know th- you, you go into some shop i'm sorry we don't accept cash anymore so there's a lot of things like that you know where there's a shortage of coins and so people are not using coins anymore or they're they're, they're in the shops they're trying to get people to go cashless but that guy said that two or three weeks before that started happening. Really? And then he talked about two more things that happened. In this dream, there was something about September, and then there was something about November, and that November, of course, November is the election, and that November looked really, really, really bad. Unless he knew something in advance about this coin thing, because that coin thing started happening about two weeks after I watched that, and two or three weeks after he put the video out. One of, the, one of the, the shops that I shop at, they asked for coins. They said they're short of coins. If we have any coins, please pay with coins. But the whole thing about the November election, the way things are going right now, things are so polarized, extremely polarized. And the, the fear is that whoever wins the election in November, that the other side will call it you know fake or phony or bogus. And that people will not accept the election, whether it's the re- Democrats or the Republicans. It's like dry grass and you throw a match out there and it, and it starts a fire. Right. Okay, I'll tell you how much it means to me, Simon. After I saw that, that thing, like I'm working on Daniel 10, 11, and 12 videos. Okay. And I am just like so focused on that stuff. I don't do almost anything. I hardly go out of my room, hardly, you know. 
I could have the Daniel 10 video up in three hours. It's done, except I'm waiting for the last pictures coming in from the artists in Japan. Um, that video is done. Wow. And I've been working on the Daniel 11 verses 1 to 31. But then I felt like after hearing what that guy said and thinking seriously about November, that I'm going to really try to do the second Daniel 11 video, the one from verse 31 to verse 45, because I don't know, maybe everything's going to be fine, it all works out, and everything's okay, but people have been thinking about, knowing, you know, prepping, I mean, the whole country, buying weapons, people have been talking that way for 30 or 40 or 50 years. It's true. And it's only gotten worse, and the, there's a divi- very major divisions in the country. If the election goes funny, if it gets disputed, if people take to the streets, all of those things can happen from the right or from the left. And so I'm, I'm pretty concerned about things. Signs of the Times. For those who've not seen your Prophecies of Daniel series, tell us how that ministry started. Yeah, uh, it's sort of a. It's quite a story or something like that. I mean, basically, you could go back to when I was 21 years old and had this sort of amazing conversion experience going from an atheist and, you know, university atheist kind of a person to very, very surprisingly getting saved and having sort of a miraculous series of experiences. To And then fairly early on, I was at a sort of like a training camp for young Christians, and I got introduced to the phenomenon of Bible prophecy. And I, it just blew my mind because and it made, I, it made me mad. And the reason I was mad was because why didn't I learn this in university? Why didn't anybody tell me about this stuff? This is so important. It's so amazing. Right. And they don't. nobody says anything about it. <laughs> so it, it made quite an impression on me that, that God has a plan and that he's spoken for thousands of years and foretold, at least to some degree, the future and told us what's going to happen, what's, you know, and those things happened. So that really made an impression on me. And it's never, I've never really lost my amazement for the whole thing. So I was back in Texas, somewhat of a defeated soul about 20 years ago or so, kind of discouraged about my life. And, but I had some friends, they wanted me to kind of teach them some Bible prophecy and I was teaching them and they were pretty successful people and they just you Mark you need to video this you've got to video this and after a while I well maybe that's the Lord maybe the Lord wants me to do that and it was really it really was the Lord because the Lord just blessed every every little effort or every little step there was just like open doors and open doors wow so it was maybe 16 or 17 years ago that I actually filmed the by this by that time I'd moved to Indonesia and this is another open door kind of I moved to Indonesia and then these friends they had recording equipment and a video studio right there so I did the first two videos in Jakarta Indonesia about 15 years ago and I think it's really interesting that since then instead of just producing more and more videos you've concentrated on getting your few video classes of Daniel 7 8 and 9 translated into how many different languages right now, now it's about 15 languages what what happened was this what happened was about six years I was just focusing on getting these things done in English and you know it's a whole story in itself how many amazing things this this man got in contact with me that I barely knew and asked me, you know, what's your what's your vision? So I told him what my vision was, and he asked me, well, how much does it cost you to do that? And I, I was, that was sort of a surprising question. I threw out a number, 
And he said, well, I'll help you with the next three. Wow. So that was Daniel 8 and the two Daniel 9s. And so just out of nowhere, I had full support for the next few years. This is the kind of things that have happened with this with this, this thing. Wow. So I got the Daniel 8 video done, uh, the two Daniel 9. But after that, I just felt like, Okay, look. If I'm by, if I got, I've got Daniel nine twenty seven done. There's a lots. If people get that, that's there's a lots. And I just felt like it's more important now to put these things into other languages. And so, by the last six years, that was the main vision. And the Lord again just raised up people. Raised up. Also, having been on the mission field in so many different places, I've come to know a lots of people. These people would translate, and I, I found voice people, the people that do the voice in different languages, and. Especially the last few years, I mean, that's what happened when I was visiting you in Uganda. Right. Is I was there to do a recording of a, a let's call it a Middle Eastern language, let's put it like that, with some friends who visited there at that time. But it's just been the Lord rolling forward with the whole thing. But then earlier this year, after getting the 15th language done, I felt like, nope, now's the time to do Daniel 10, 11, and 12. Lighting your path through the end times. You're with Nightlight. I know a number of our regular listeners to Nightlight are well-versed in the prophecies of Daniel, but many will be listening who have little or no idea of what they contain and what they say, what they predict about the future of the world between now and the second coming of Jesus. I want to ask you, Mark, about your upcoming Daniel 10 and 11 video, but first, could you just tell us briefly as you can, can you summarize the main points of Daniel 7, 8, and 9? Yeah, that's such a good question. Uh, I mean, the first thing that I think I ought, ought to mention is is that Jesus of Nazareth himself specifically pointed to the book of Daniel. You know, no ambiguity, no no haziness. He mentioned the prophet Daniel. He mentioned a specific subject in Daniel chapter 11, also found in Daniel chapter 8. And he told his disciples, whoever reads, let him understand. So Jesus didn't point to Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Zechariah. He pointed to Daniel and said we should read it and understand it. So that that in itself to me is a super important point to make for anybody who's sort of not real sure. Jesus pointed to Daniel. Wow, it's true. So then you're talking about Daniel 7, 8, and 9. Basically, Daniel Daniel was a captive in Babylon. The, the Jews had been taken away to Babylon, and Daniel, from a he was virtually a child when these things first started happening to him. Well, the first thing is is the famous Daniel two, where he told King Nebuchadnezzar the meaning of his dream, and that kind of catapulted him into the favor of the king and into evidently a major sort of government service inside Babylon. But then, as Daniel was older, he had this whole dream with Daniel 7 about these four beasts rising up out of the sea. And then this angel within the... It was just a dream. And in the dream, this angel explained who what these beasts were, that they were four governments to come. And about this fourth beast and this little horn that, you know, these tin horns and this little horn, which basically was the first vision and picture of the end time Antichrist. Right. So it was kind of introduced. And when you study these things, it's just so amazing because it's the love of God, because it's almost like a father and a mother feeding their children. They're, they they know how much you can take and they, they, they give you this much and you digest that. And then they give you this much and you digest that. Wow. 
So Daniel 7 is a big meal, but then, then he had Daniel 8. Daniel 8 is very similar to Daniel 11. Daniel was out by the river, by the Euphrates River, and an angel appeared to him and showed him in a vision this ram and goat. And this was totally prophetic of Persia and the Greeks and Alexander the Great. But again, it, it kind of morphed over into this end-time picture about this Antichrist figure right. that would come. Then he had another experience in Daniel 9, where again, an angel physically appeared to him, not in a, not in a dream, but physically appeared to him, and gave him what's called the 70 weeks, which actually is not, it means the 77s. Very, very specific prophecy about the first and second coming of the Lord. I mean, it was a, it's, a, it's a complete, absolute, incredible prophecy that there would be 483 years from this point in time until the Messiah is cut off. And that was when Jesus was crucified in 30 AD. Yes. And then there was this one seven-year period left like that. So if you jump forward, many people, maybe they know the book of Revelation, and they might know the Second Thessalonians, but these things in the book of Revelation and in, that Paul talked about in Second uh, Thessalonians, they are mirror images of what Daniel was shown 550 years before. Yes, so Daniel chapter 7, 8, and 9 basically cover the same territory, but each chapter adds more details. Exactly, exactly. It's a, it's a progressive unfolding of the truth. And again, it's like the, it's the love of God because he just knows how much we can handle. And he just kind of, he tells you this, and he tells you this, and he tells you this. And as you go along, it's like you, you get more details, you get more information uh, as much as you can absorb. But I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's an incredible story to see how Daniel describes his own personal feelings and experience as he experiences these things because it's so strong on him that he he faints he virtually passes out the angels has to reach down and, and pull daniel back up in, in chapters 8 and 9 and 10 the angel is like having to physically interact with daniel to help him just be able to handle the experience he's having From a child I was taught to be wise in all things Babylon now is our home For us the future is soon to be known I remember the king had a dream He called his magicians and asked them what could it all mean But Daniel made known the king's thoughts a man would soon all come to know. Opening the book I saw and understood the number of the coming years An angel came and gave the answer to my prayer The vision was becoming clear I saw four kingdoms falling in a line A final one near the end of time When God will establish his kingdom on earth We refuse to bow down to their so we cast in a furnace, but God made us bold. And He was with us in the flame. We walked out of harm, and His pipe we proclaimed. 
the envy of man But the God in my serve has not ever failed me And delivered me out of their vicious hand Forty years old, uh, that song. Now I recognize the voice of Mick Fridley there. I think that was from the Bible album, a song called Daniel. End time news and views. Mark, you're about to film your presentation of Daniel chapter ten and eleven. Daniel ten basically sets the stage for Daniel eleven, doesn't it? It doesn't actually contain any prophecies, isn't that right? That's right, but it's also it's again it's like. Chapter 10 has got some spiritual things to it that's almost not seen anywhere else in the Bible. I mean, this this angel appears to Daniel again. He'd been praying. He's up in his 80s. Daniel had friends with him who ran off, so the friends must have been able to see the angel. Well, that's true. And then the true. angel tells Daniel, you've been praying three weeks, and I heard your prayers. But then the angel says, the prince of Persia has been withstanding me during that time. Who's the prince of Persia? The prince of Persia is a demon prince. And then the angel tells Daniel that Michael, the archangel, came. So you don't see that kind of stuff in the Bible very much, uh, this spiritual warfare. Right. And, and it shows how important Daniel 11 was and is. And again, that's the chapter that Jesus pointed to. Jesus pointed to, the clearest place that Jesus pointed to was Daniel eleven thirty one. Right. So when Daniel 11 starts happening, it's 45 verses. There's no beasts. There's no figures. It's just text. It's just straight text. And Daniel just barely was able to handle it or something like that. When you get into Daniel 11, it's it's a, it's a not an easy chapter. Let's put it like that. It, but it does break down into parts. The first four verses is the angel telling Daniel... Basically, the same thing he told him in Daniel 8 about Alexander the Great, about Alexander the Great that was going to come. Uh, he was going to, you know, he was going to be a mighty king. He is his uh, his empire was going to be divided toward the four winds, which is the same picture again of Alexander the Great's empire divided into four parts. What we saw in Daniel 7 and in Daniel 8. Then there's this funny thing. You got verses 5 to verses 20. This is the first time I've ever taught those verses because they are very detailed. They are talking about things that happened between around Alexander the Great and the time of Jesus. Yes. And it's talking about the king of the north and the king of the south. Basically, it's the the northern section of Alexander the Great's empire, which was the 
the general Seleucus and the southern general Ptolemy and the people that came after them. But then what happens is verse 21 is where early church fathers and modern teachers all agree that in verse 21 is where there's this jump into the end time because in verse 21 it talks about this vile person and then from verse 21 to verse 31 it's talking about four different times in those verses it talks about the covenant made with him the league and then he and then he has uh his heart is against the holy covenant well that goes right back to daniel 9 because in daniel 9 27 you've got he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. So we don't know what that is. But both in Daniel 9.27, which is the, the last seven-year period, and in Daniel 11.21-31, to 31, there's this whole thing about this covenant. This seems to be, and this is the video I'm working right on right now and hope to film within about a week. Okay. This verses 21-31 to 31 almost certainly seem to be what we could call the first three and a half years of the last seven years because verse 31 has got so many links to it to show that that is the beginning of the last three and a half years but it's it's so true what you say and i've really thought about this it's so true because if people have not sort of been taken along step by step this goes over their heads and my my burden has been to try to bring people along because there's Hundreds of millions of Christians who don't know this kind of stuff. That's right. And they have to be sort of brought on because it is important. It is. So many people, why should I think about this? This is not important. I just need to love Jesus and read my Bible and go to church and be good and don't sin. And that's all that's really important. I don't need to know about these kind of things. And lots of churches even teach that. There's all kinds of churches that teach well don't worry we're not even going to be here we won't be here don't worry I, I put this in the video because if there was ever a place to put this because that's what so many churches and probably a lots of people that listen to your show they might oh i don't need to worry about that my pastor told me and maybe there's pastors listening to your show and they say well i'm not going to worry about that i went to theology school and they told me that we could just be taken away any time now. That's very true. So that is a, a big deal. Here's a funny analogy, but I think it's a very, very applicable analogy. You, Simon, you're from Great Britain, right? Right. Okay, so I'm my family is from Great Britain. If you go back three, 300 years or so, I, I have a real place in my heart for Great Britain and Scotland and, and the history of those people. Okay. Before you and I were born, Simon, they had what was called the Battle of Britain. Uh, back in the 1940s, Britain barely, barely survived. I don't have to tell you, you know what I, you know what I mean. It barely survived. It's true. And there was one man who kept telling people, "This is going to happen." There's an evil man. His name is his name is Adolf Hitler, and he is preparing Germany to take over Europe. And all the people of Britain and all the politicians in Britain were telling. Telling uh, Churchill, Churchill, listen, that's foolish. We don't have time for that. Don't worry. We're having a great depression right now. We And so Churchill was made fun of and was sort of in a minority. But he kept speaking up. This is going to happen. And then there's Neville Chamberlain, the prime minister. He he went to Munich and he signed this paper with Hitler. Uh, and, he, and Neville Chamberlain, you know, peace in our time. Well, Hitler, in a sense, broke the covenant. Wow. Hitler broke that pact. 
invaded Poland and all hell broke loose all across Europe and pretty soon Britain was being bombed and London was being bombed and Churchill had been right. All those people, there were these peace people, peace, peace, they didn't have peace. And so it's a parallel of how things are now. A lot of people, don't worry about it. We're going to be taken away. You'll never see the Antichrist. Right. But just the same kind of way. Because that is not what Jesus said. That is not what Paul said. They didn't say that. Jesus Christ said, when was he going to come back? Immediately after the tribulation of those days. That's Matthew 24, 29 to 31. Right. He said that. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2, that day, the coming of the Lord, will not happen until there's a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed sitting in the temple of God. Just like what Daniel saw. You know, maybe maybe I'm being a little bit emphatic right now, but it's such a burden on my heart because so many Christians don't pay attention to this. And they are just like, sadly, like the British people were before World War II. And Churchill was trying to tell them. And finally, sure enough, it happened. And they barely, the British barely survived that. And my fear is that a lot of people are going to have the end time come upon them. And they're not going to be ready. They're not prepared because they think that just any minute they're just going to be swept away. It's not what Jesus said. It's not what Paul said. In the midst of the seven years, in the midst of the seven years, he shall cause the sacrifice and offering to cease, pollute the sanctuary, and place the abomination. When you shall see the abomination of desolation stand in the holy place, then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world. When you shall see the abomination of desolation stand in the holy place, then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, such as was not since the beginning of the world. He shall oppose and exalt himself above all that is called God, all that is called God or that is worshipped. So that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. When you shall see the abomination of desolation stand in the holy place, then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world. When you shall see the abomination of desolation stand in the holy place, then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, such as was not since the beginning of the world. He shall oppose and exalt himself above all that is called God, all that is called God, or oh, that worship so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God
video that I'm doing now goes up to verse 31 because that's the place that Jesus referred to. Arms shall stand on his part. They shall pollute the sanctuary of strength. They shall take away the daily sacrifice. They shall place the abomination that makes desolate. Well, that's what Jesus referred to in Matthew 24, 15. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, then will be great tribulation. So it couldn't be more clear. There's no ambiguity. There's no speaking in parables or anything like that. It's real, real, real clear. Yes. He pointed to that verse and he said there's going to be great tribulation at that time and all. So verse 31 is such a key verse because it links Daniel, the book of Daniel, with Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, it's, it's that important. But then this brings in this, the last three and a half years. And all through the Bible, it talks about 42 months, 1260 days, time, times and a half a time. It talks about this last three and a half years. And again, we are there. The, the body of Christ is there. They're not taken away. Yes. Especially verse 31 to the, verse 35 are some incredible verses because it gives sort of a synopsis and a capsule of that period of time. It says, the people who do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. That's in the last three and a half years. They that understand among the people shall instruct many. That's in the last three and a half years. But there's going to be this, we've already seen this in Daniel 7 and Daniel 8, there's going to be this tremendous persecution. It's going to be going on in Israel, but it's also going to be going on all over the world. This isn't. This is going to be happening in Israel for sure, but it's happening all over the world. Then from verse 36 to 45, it kind of pulls back or pulls a different direction, and it looks more at the specifics again. The king of the north and the king of the south and he's talking about how he, he won't regard any gods, and he'll he'll speak great words against against God. So it's that same picture again of a, of a mouth, this terrible, horrible person. It says he won't regard the desire of women. Now, what does that mean? There's some there's something kind of controversial. Does that mean he's a homosexual? Does that mean he just we don't know what that means? He's going to honor the God of forces. What does that mean? He says, it says he doesn't honor the God of his fathers. Now, many people nowadays, it's very popular to teach that the Antichrist is going to be Islamic. Right. Well, that's a fairly recent thing. That hasn't been around very long, but I'm not real sure that the guy is going to be Islamic because, because of that verse right there. And other people have pointed out that he doesn't honor the God of his fathers. So if he says, also Islamic people, they don't worship they're very much against worshiping people. They don't do that very much. Yes. 
He says he's going to set up his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain, which is between the seas is between the Dead Sea and the Mediterranean, which is Jerusalem. He's going to be setting up his temple, his his, his seat of headquarters uh, in Jerusalem. So those are some of the highlights from verse 31 to verse 45. Even the night can be bright when you switch on your nightlight. Mark, as it looks now, we see the powers that be behind the scenes, the elites, the deep state, the Illuminati, whatever you want to call them, making an all-out push to bring in a one-world government. And it seems that they have all the financial and technological tools to do it. It seems like nothing can stop them. But if we look ahead to the world we read about in the last part of Daniel chapter 11, you read about wars, major wars, that the Antichrist is fighting against the king of the south, against the king of the north, then the kings of the east. So it seems that the Antichrist is going to face a lot of opposition from other powerful entities that have large armies. So that would suggest that the present attempt at world domination is doomed to fail. That's exactly right, Simon. Is exactly right. I mean, and this is one of the motivations I have for doing these uh, videos on Daniel 11. Because right now, there is so much misinformation uh, going around among Christians. I mean, some people, well, the Antichrist, he's going to be beheading. He's going to be beheading all Christians. Gosh. And uh, if you take the mark of the beast, there's you know, they're talking about all these different kinds of things. But so many of these people, they don't really have much of a foundation That's right. in what Scripture actually says. Maybe they know this little verse here, or somebody's told them that there, but they don't really know what the picture is. They don't know these things about how many battles and wars the Antichrist is having. He's not omnipotent. He is not. God is omnipotent, but the Antichrist and the devil isn't, and it's going to be a rough time. There's going to be persecution. But it's not going to be like every single Christian on earth is going to be beheaded. That is not the end time picture. That's right. And, you know, as far as people being forced to take the mark of the beast, I'm not real sure about that kind of thing. Or some people, you know, they've got all these funny things about the mark of the beast and, and making people worried about all these kind of crazy things. The mark of the beast, that's a whole subject in itself. But then it's like, it looks to me from everything I can see, the mark of the beast is something that you have to willingly take. Because if you take the mark of the beast, the Bible says you're you're on your way to hell, and God's not going to do that because of some kind of little economic thing that you get you get some kind of a computer chip in your hand for convenience. It's going to be more than that. the The main thing is, it's like my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, and when people don't even know what the scriptures say, they don't know what the end time picture is. They just come up with all kinds of funny stuff. That's why it's important for people to know what the Bible says. Yes, very important. And we covered this recently on a show I did with Stephen and Robert, that the mark of the beast is not made mandatory until the midway of the last seven years. An angel flies around the world warning people of the consequences of taking it. And most Christians will have fled for the last three and a half years into the wilderness where they are supernaturally provided for, according to Revelation chapter 12. Well, the deal is there's going to be, a, you know, there's what it says in Joel, uh, multitudes of multitudes in the valley of decision. There's a lots of Christians, most Christians, in fact, are, are not separated from the world right now. They are in some kind of, you know, halfway, halfway situation. Yes. As we get closer to these times and as these things become clearer and as people realize prophecy is in the process of being fulfilled, 
a lot of people are not going to be able to be sort of wishy-washy Christians anymore. Thank God. Uh, they're going to have to, to get a lots, lot stronger, or they will be compelled you know, under some kind of thing to take the mark of the beast. But, but it's actually sort of good right now because a lot of people are getting that information. I mean, that's something that's sort of known, pretty well known, that there's some kind of thing coming up like that. It, they, they almost know more about the mark of the beast than they don't know about the beast. And maybe that's good. Uh, it's part of the witness. It's just that there's a lot of misinformation and hearsay about it. But uh, it's, it's going to be part of the witness in the end time, just like you said, that the woman has to flee into the wilderness, which is another controversial subject. First, they don't even believe we're going to be going through the Great Tribulation. Right. Then if they do, then it's like, well, oh, that's Israel. That's Israel. Flee-. You know, All this kind of stuff you have to sort of keep breaking down and looking at Scripture and seeing what the Bible says.
I was just listening to the lyrics of that song whilst it was playing, and it's amazing that it was written around 25 years ago, and yet it exactly portrays the world today. They own and control pretty much everything. Whether it could mean the rise of the Antichrist, of course, remains to be seen. But you know, Mark, I I just want to close with this possibility, which came to me recently when thinking about how very easy it is for the Lord just to put a spanner in the works of all this AI and 5G and the other technologies that are in danger of not just destroying humans, but also nature and the natural world. All it takes is one powerful solar flare that's above a certain strength, and all the lights in the world would just go out and the internet would go down and basically mankind would go back to the pre-technological age. And that's just one scenario of the different ways God could flip the off switch on modern man's technology and have the world go through a complete reset. I just don't know, you know, how that exactly is going to work. Uh, I mean, I'll I tell you this, I, I've been, I read history so much and so... I was reading about what happened in what we call now Great Britain, what happened in Britain around 300 to 500 A.D. And basically they said like at 300 A.D., the society was more advanced technologically and as far as amenities for people up until the time of the Victorian era. Wow. People had baths. People had... Uh, sort of a running water and 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 this historian I think it was actually it was I think it was actually uh, Churchill this book I'm reading he said it wasn't until the Victorian era that people were able to take baths as easily and as much as they did back at the time of the Romans oh, that's so interesting and, and I've read about that before how far back and how fast things went backward in Britain over a period of about you know 30 years or something like that before they had coins, they had roads, they had administration, they had peace. And after the Romans pulled out, it went south bad fast. So it can happen. It does happen. Nightlight, keeping you in tune with the times. Well, we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out. But who knows? The Lord may have some unexpected twists and turns in the road ahead. Mark, before we close... Please do give your web address where folks can go in and watch these terrific Daniel videos that we've been talking about. Sure. So I've got two websites, but the website that has the videos on it is called prophesiesofdaniel.com. All, you know, prophesiesofdaniel.com. And it's possible that if somebody's you know in France, that site might open up in French or it might open in Russian or Chinese. If that happens, then look at the little flags up in the upper right-hand side. And if you want it in English, click on the USA flag and it'll go to English or it'll go to whatever language you want like that. That's where the videos are posted. Also on YouTube, my YouTube channel is Mark Macmillan one the number one. That's where my videos are on YouTube. Mark, thanks so much for all you shared. Thank you so much for your insights. It's been great having you and look forward to seeing you again back on Nightlight. God bless you too. I'm so happy we can do this. So glad we can talk about these things. Nice talk to you. God bless. 